how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. As a child actor, Jason Walliner knew he wanted to be a director. He started with a mini DV camera and set out to make a feature for Sundance. He dropped out of college, convinced a few friends to join him, and ended up making a quote, long student film. Over the years, he's worked with Patton Oswald, Aziz Ansari, and John Benjamin. He's directed Parks and Rec, New Girl, Nathan For You, and Last Man on Earth. Most recently, Goldman has created the unusual miniseries, Paul T. Goldman, somewhat thanks to the help of his also directing Borat's subsequent movie film. The description for Paul T. Goldman reads, One man's efforts to uncover the truth thrust him into a labyrinth of fraud, deception, and criminality. That, trans that transformed him from wimp to warrior. In this interview, Jason talks about his love for specific comedies, why he generally avoids for higher work, how he found a unique niche in the comic industry, and how to execute on unique ideas to find the quote, best funniest version. I was an actor when I was a kid and, uh, and I grew up on set. I was acting since I was like four years old, commercials and did, you know, a few TV shows and, and whatever. And so I think it, it probably just programmed my brain to uh, see that the director was the person that everyone was talking to and <laughs> seemed like the, the person doing the, the most exciting thing there. So I probably, I just remember being a kid and really not understanding that why anyone wouldn't want to be a director. Like that was just, I guess, I yeah, from my earliest memories, that was just kind of the default. Um, so I never considered anything else I don't really know how to do anything else um and uh yeah that was uh I, I was lucky enough that um my mind was made up from from when I was about four I'll say were you like were you lucky enough that you were so young that you never really got fearful or was there still a point where you're like kind of like holy shit this is a big thing I'm doing fearful of what uh, maybe just like the responsibility or, you know, working with so many people and some of that stuff. I always, you know, that was never a fear. I felt like I had failed when I was about 20. I was nine. Yeah, I was about 20 and I dropped out of school. So I wanted to be a director. I, I acted for a while. I stopped acting when I was like 12, 13. It was like a regular kid. Kept making stuff, making shorts. Uh, and and then I was like, I'm going to make a movie. This was like 2000. And so like even the idea of like digital filmmaking, I had like a, a mini DV camera and I was like, I'm gonna make a feature and, uh, you know, take it to Sundance or whatever. And, uh, and dropped out of college uh, after two years and convinced a few friends also to drop out. And we made a feature in my hometown uh, over the, the summer. I thought it was a feature. It was a student it was a long student film <laughs> it was uh, you know luckily I think there are almost no copies in existence it hasn't made its way onto the internet there's almost no record of it existing but it was a 97 minute film that was you know just terrible just a, just completely horrible um I made every mistake I I'm glad I made it but at the time I wasn't glad I was like oh this is awful 
and I'm done. <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, it didn't get into any anywhere because it was terrible, but we'd already planned this, this trip to drive across the country and this idea that we would show it at colleges and whatever. It was a disaster. And so I kind of went, moved back in with my parents uh, with my tail between my legs. And I was just like, well, I'm done. I got to figure out something else. Uh, and that was a very uh, important low point. It was like a few years of, of uh, and then would slowly, oh, I had ideas. I would start making shorts again. And slowly, that, then I needed to kind of start to build up my confidence. And then I wound up meeting these uh, these three guys in New York. Uh, and we formed this group that we called Human Giant. And then suddenly had a, an MTV pilot. And, and I think it was my, gosh, it was my birthday of, I think, 2006, I'm going to say um or maybe seven where I was I was on the set with a real full crew directing for the first time uh and uh have been extremely fortunate ever since but yeah that was that's basically the the journey <laughs> was was that first one was it like what genre was it was it uh, a comedy or a darker story it was a comedy it was a terrible comedy um that just took uh just ripped off everyone uh <laughs> and and like this meta thing about these high school friends and i shot it with my real friends and they wanted to make a movie of their life that became you know it has these like kind of conceptual elements they're just done in such a clunky way um but there's elements of things that i would later do but it's just uh you know i'm sure it took a lot of like influence from kevin smith and stuff i loved in high school and it, i just got a lot i was able to get a lot of um stuff out of my system that i'm glad i'm glad i had like a major creative failure in a way that no one will ever see it and was before youtube i mean right now if i was growing up yeah you just put everything out there and but it's good you should put shitty stuff out there who cares right who cares just do a lot of stuff and then and like no one cares anymore it <laughs> just just make bad stuff until you make good stuff that's the only way to do it so right now you just throw it all out there because where else are people even watching things did you always want to it seems like your most of your career is kind of the comedic nature did you always want to like just make comedies what is it you like about that as opposed to also doing some drama shows and everything yeah i don't know i i i loved comedy growing up but very specific comedy i was never a fan of like big movie comedies big produced movie comedies um except Borat actually when I was younger that was like the one you know one of the few comedies that I, I truly loved and obviously that's like a very different kind of movie than than most normal comedy studio comedies but um growing up I loved like I guess you would say uh comedy that was subversive in some way I loved Mr. Show I loved Chris Elliott's work later um I guess like darker what would be called kind of more dramatic or darker comedies or like Coen brother stuff that I, you know, would think is, I think it's still think is so, so funny or Charlie Kaufman's work, but all this stuff is not really like straight up comedy, but that's always the kind of stuff I wanted to do where it, it was funny, um, but in a way that was trying to do something new or in a way that was a little bit um, more interesting than, than kind of like big uh, classic, you know, comedy, comedy. Is that also how you choose your work too? It seems like based on what you just said, maybe you're kind of protective of your career because you do very specific like outer rim comedy as opposed to the big stuff. I mean, there's a handful of, you know, uh, like Last Man on Earth was on a major network, New Girl, but even those shows are kind of like on the edge of the normal sitcom stuff, you know? 
Yeah, I I did some stuff early on where um, I realized I didn't have to say yes to everything, but that was something I had to realize. And luckily, I realized it early enough that I do feel like I, I've been able to uh, navigate that in a way that I, I feel um, happy with most of the things I've worked on. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I, I choose things in a specific way. Uh, I, I, I try to at least I try to choose something that that is, you know, I don't do a lot of for higher work. It's just I'm fortunate enough to be able to survive um, doing the stuff that is that, that are almost always things that that um, I would personally be a fan of if I wasn't working on it. That's kind of one thing, you know, would I would I love this show? Would I be excited to see this if, if I had nothing to do with it um, is usually the criteria uh, for, for doing something like that. Or uh, is a friend of mine working on this? But and, and I'm also very fortunate to have I have a lot of friends, I think, are, are extremely brilliant. And uh, usually it coincides, you know, if, if a friend asked me to do something, uh, often they're working on something that I'd be very excited to watch. So that's how, you know, wind up working on like Nathan for you or last man on earth. Um, you know, I loved everyone on that show. And also I, I thought the show was so funny. So um, yeah, I'm just a lucky, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> what What is one of the first things you do when you read a script and you actually like it? I mean, if, if you're reading a comedy script, are you laughing out loud or are you more thinking about how you can kind of enhance something or how you'd shoot it? Or what's some thoughts from being like a comedic director when you read a script? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, for me, I guess I approach it from the idea and the kind of stuff I, I work on is usually often idea driven. Uh, you know, a writer, a writer's room would have a funny idea. And on something where I'm directing for hire, where I'm not involved in the conception of it. I'm an idea is something usually is what I'll latch on to. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a funny idea. And then it's like, well, how do you execute that? best you know what are the you know if it's like practically directing it's like you basically just watch it in your head and you try to watch the funniest version of it and then you okay well it's got these shots and then you go into okay how do we execute that and how do we do it with the time we have and the resources we have and here are the limitations and well what's the best funniest most interesting version of this thing we're going to shoot today and then you get on set and everything changes again because because you know you have conceptual ideas and then you have real life and you have actors and you know they're you know they'll have blocking instincts that are different than what you had in mind when you're figuring it out and and they're you know almost always right and and you know when you work with talented people they're very smart they're very good at what they do they know what they're good at and especially with comedians um you know they they know their moves they know what they're good at as a as a director on stuff when you work with funny people you're you're there as perspective you know you're there as as the audience and so it's important, to, you know, that that you have taste, or they think you have taste, and uh, and you're, you know, because they'll, you know, I mean, something like Borat is, you know, I mean, that was its own thing, but I would, you know, we'd be shooting a scene, and then Sasha would, uh, you know, sneak off, and we'd find a corner and just talk about: it. is it working? Is it funny? Is it? I mean, yeah, yeah, keep going, yeah, you know, and then you go back, and um, so it really is just in, in a situation like that, providing uh another set of eyes with uh with taste uh of, of what's going to work or not comedically where do you see kind of comedy movies today i've asked this to a few directors because it seems like it's it's 
where everything's every every studio is trying to make this broad appeal so if it's a comedy it's an action comedy so it seems like the really funny ideas are either going to be a sketch or maybe a series like where do you kind of see everything today with comedy yeah i i mean comedy seems to be in a bad place i i can't i mean i'm so bad at this i haven't watched anything in, in so long but i mean the last thing i such a bad memory. I love Tim Robinson's show. That was like a sketch comedy thing that everyone yeah. I knew was crazy about. Um, I love, you know, the rehearsal, but that's not a, a typical comedy. <laughs> um, the comedy that I'm more interested in, yeah, is is some something that's trying something new or trying something different with the, the form or conceptual. Um, you know, comedy that works is reliant on surprise. Um yeah. And for whatever reason, the studio system, the streaming system is set up, I think for different reasons, the streaming system is very optimized. I think also comedy, I was told by Netflix people, you know, don't even pitch a comedy here. We're not really doing comedy. It doesn't travel internationally. Um, and studio movies are so, you know, you get these $40 million comedies. Now they, you know, would put out a Marvel movie that yeah. is just a much safer bet. So I don't, you don't see a lot of, old comedies happening there and yeah and on streaming also that's why i also you know this show is not a traditional comedy by any means i hope people find a lot of it funny as much as they find it interesting or different parts sad moving whatever um but that's the kind of comedy i'm, I'm most excited by is is really yeah not like a traditional typical comedy because i think it's very it's a and not because of you know cancel culture or whatever people complain about. I just think it's a it's a hard system in which to do comedy and because comedy does rely on finding new things to laugh at. <laughs> and that involves risk and these giant corporate systems are risk averse. Right. Well, tell me about this new one a little bit more. So where did, how did you get involved with the Paul T. Goodman story? Um. Uh, he tweeted at me. So in 2012, I got a tweet from a guy named Paul. Uh, and he's like, I have an incredible story. Would you help me make a movie of it? It was a movie at the time. And I looked at his Twitter and he had said this to like a few hundred other people. <laughs> and, um, and, but I clicked on the link. I watched a video with him. I thought he, it was interesting. Uh, what he was saying. I read his book. I became obsessed with his book and his voice and just something about him I found very fascinating. Uh, so eventually I contacted him and I told him I wanted to make his story. And the more I got to know him, I, you know, it became clear that he, he was the story even as much or more so than the story he was telling. And so I basically, I, you know, I, I, you know, this project is essentially a documentary because it's about a real person. It's about a person telling their story to the world. And um, I just started interviewing him and filming with him and had this idea of this way to do it. And then Paul kind of had the same idea that he would play himself. And, you know, I really just wanted to let him steer the process. To me, it was most interesting to kind of figure out ways to take a camera inside of his mind and just explore it basically and try to figure out what mo was motivating him, figuring out, just figuring out everything about the story beyond what was real and what was not, which does become a part of it, but but also just kind of explore this very unique person. Um, and so part of doing that was filming these scenes that he had written 
with himself starring as himself and uh, and then surrounding him with great actors and making it look good and production design and production value and shooting in a way that we're also capturing behind the scenes and interviews and all these other kind of documentary elements and then just doing a pretty experimental show um, and and seeing what happened. And, and I told that to, to Peacock when we met about this. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to hand you a script and this is going to be the episode I have ideas for episodes, but basically we're going to shoot Paul's writing and we're going to document the process and we're going to figure it out in editing and hopefully we get something interesting. I felt very confident because I've been trying to get this made for so long and trying to get this finished. I've been shooting off and on for 10 years, uh, different parts, documentary parts, some of the dramatizations. Um, I had a good feeling we would wind up with something uh, that would be worth watching for people. Um, but Peacock really had to take a a leap of faith. And I mean, it was, I think, you know, me having directed the Borat movie helped uh, assure them that I could come in saying, well, here's kind of a non-traditional project or a project that has a high risk factor. It's not going to cost a lot of money. It could really work. It could be a disaster. Let's see what happens. It, was it ever two separate things? Was it always one thing? And kind of what I mean by that is like, are you coming at it with the North Star of a documentary filmmaker where you think you kind of know where it might go or you're just open to think? Like, tell me a little bit about the mindset, which I imagine changes every day. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, I, I really try to approach this as as a documentarian would in terms of in an ideal way, which is like, well, here's something I'm very drawn to. Let me explore this in, in what I think is the most interesting way possible, the clearest way to tell this story and see what I discover. I had ideas from the beginning about Paul, about what his story could represent. I was wrong about all of them. And to make this, I had to be really open to the story changing. The whole way I had always thought I would end this, uh, and I don't want to give too much away, but it completely changed mm -hmm. almost the very end of the process. After we had shot all the scenes, went and did some more documentary stuff, interviewed Paul, interviewed some other people, completely changed what I saw for the ending. Um, even Wednesday night, we were shooting things that will change the ending of this show. And that's going to air in a few weeks. So we're frantically editing it right now. So it really, and it's tremendously exhausting um, to be open to that um, because it's much easier, especially as I was saying, is like what gets me excited is, is the idea of something, is a funny idea. And how do I put that, you know, execute that on screen. But this process in particular has as much been about letting go of ideas that were exciting to me or interesting or funny as, as much as it has been kind of executing the ideas. And that is something I definitely learned from, from working with Sasha Baron Cohen uh, because, you know, I spent many months writing on that movie as well and and you know there would be sometimes you want to be on set and remember here's the what's the kernel of the idea that had us all laughing in the room and and that is part of the director's job is to like make sure we're getting that you know because sometimes you just you, you you don't see the forest or the trees and you lose sight of the the original thing that made you laugh in a comedy about about some idea um but at the same time I would see how we would find something out in the real world on Borat and, and the scene would become a totally different thing and Sasha would just follow it and we would have to all figure it out or, you know, the certain things we would just come up with the night before and then be shooting it the next day. And so that being light on our feet and being able to just, you know, 
change everything and throw out everything and just restart and be like, wait, we've shot 50 hours and we're watching it. And we realize the story is about something completely different than what we thought it was about. Um, it's not easy to be able to let go of that, especially ideas that you loved, moments that you loved. Um, but it is something in a project like this you have to be open to. Um, and I've only seen the trailer. I think you're in this one as well. Did you always plan to be in it? Or was that part of the story? Like you needed that extra part of the narrative or a joke or whatever? I really didn't want to be in this <laughs> for many years. I don't like being on camera. I'm not a good, like, I'm just not natural. I freeze up. I get in my own head. I'm thinking about other stuff. Um, so I didn't want to be in this. I thought from the beginning, I was such a fan of um, Errol Morris's work where he would do these first person documentaries. And then you would hear him like shout a question at, at someone, you know, yeah. earlier movies, you, you wouldn't hear him at all. And then like, Sometimes you'd hear him just say say something. And then sometimes you see him a little bit in later stuff. But but I was like, I think that will be my kind of presence in this. I what I didn't want to do was uh like pull a like a jerecki in the jinx where I felt like that was such an interesting thing. And there was just something about it where he he made it all about himself. Uh and maybe that was right for that project, but I didn't want this to be like that. At the end of the, at the end of the day, I I have to admit I pulled a full Jarecki on this one. <laughs> this one I completely Jarecki myself. I didn't want to be in it, but I told Paul I would be shooting the scenes that he wrote. And then a few years ago, he just started sending me scenes with lines for me. Um, and I was like, Paul, I'm not going to be in this. And I'll, and and you know, he he wrote monologues of me talking about how the show got made and we. I had to figure out how to address that. At a certain point, I did have to admit that because he he and I had been working on getting this finished and made for a decade while these other things in the story kept happening. Um, I would be lying if I didn't have to admit that, that I did become part of the story that I was telling as much as I, I promise you, I really didn't want to be in it. Um, and you can kind of see some of that, that tension in the show in some later episodes, but, um, but that, yeah, I, I wound up being in it a bit. <laughs> I, I talked to the director of a documentary called Cuba and the cameraman and he kind of like it just happened he's like I don't know I just ended up having to be in the story you know you seem to so you got this tweet you responded you saw that hundreds of people didn't it seems like a lot of milestones in your career maybe you're doing things people would advise against um <laughs> how, how do you think about that do you just like are you just following interesting pieces or how does that happen how do you not be more fearful maybe of it yeah i'm not willfully following things that people would be against but i am trying to just follow my instinct in terms of what what i'm googling at night what i'm thinking about what i you know find funny or interesting or you know oftentimes disturbing you know like you know compelling in some way compelling might be the best word it's just like i'll, I'll find something and i'll fixate on it and um I just try to I try to follow that that feeling. It is just instinct, though, uh, you know, trying to follow what interests me. Um, but I don't I, I don't know exactly why. <laughs> I mean, part of this project is me trying to figure out why uh, why I, I did it, because <laughs> it never seemed odd to me. People are like, why would you do this? I mean, why, how could you not? <laughs> um, but but I mean, there were hundreds of people who didn't respond. Um, something drew me towards uh paul from from the very beginning 
Is it is that generally kind of a, a gut instinct? I mean, like I would imagine now you've probably got five or ten projects you're thinking about, whichever one's gonna kind of rise to the top. Is it more of a, you do enough research until your gut takes over? Or how do you kind of think about that? You know, I think I was talking to my dad about this. I think he kind of instilled in me every time we would watch something when when I was growing up, um, he would get really annoyed that it was like, oh, that's just like this other movie. And <laughs> and I would hear that from a young age. He would just be like, everything's derivative. Everything's a ripoff. This took the story from that. This is that. That is the same thing. And I guess that really instilled in me this, um, I just am really repelled by things that feel like um, stock or like they've just been done before. Or, or I should say I'm really drawn towards something if it feels like it hasn't been quite attempted before. And I think that's been a thing for the pro for my own personal projects. And I also do a lot of work, yeah, like for with friends and for for hire and coming on people's projects. And you know, Borat absolutely was was Sasha's movie that I was you know had the had the the honor of of helping figure out how to make it. But um, you know, yeah, I think I'm just looking for oh, that's giving me a feeling I can't quite place, um, or that's saying something in a way I haven't seen said before that feels true to me. So it really just goes back to, yeah, I, I feel like I'm looking for, and like I was saying, most comedy is so boring to me because they, it, it hits the same notes. It's like how many, it's so, it's so kind of, uh, it's so kind of cliche not to even make fun of this, but for so many years, most comedy was like something happening and then someone else saying, well, that happened <laughs> or like, you know, uh, and, and just comedy gets these moves and you start seeing them in everything, or there'll be one funny person, one funny stand up, and then everyone sounds like that. Um, and that was always the stuff that I, I didn't want to do of just stuff that's like, oh, yeah, you can get a laugh out of an audience, but it's a, it, it's not an honorable laugh. <laughs> it's a cheap laugh if you're just aping something you saw in something else that was actually funny. So with the stuff that I that's coming from me, um, you know, I did work on Adult Swim uh, that was very much like I was part of the conception of. And and this project, even though it's about a real person, Paul and the book he wrote, this is very much. Um, a very personal project to me and, and something I feel like I've, I, I really have creative uh, reins on. I'm always looking for things I haven't felt or seen before, basically. You said a lot of this already. We're almost out of time. Um, any advice about pitching? Because we're taught to like walk in there and say, hey, it's the hangover meet Groundhog Day. So like, how do you come in with an original idea? What do you start to say to kind of get some attention pitching, pitching it it helps if you have directed borat too <laughs> um so try to make sure you did that before pitching anything um because i really that really that is the reason i got to make this show i was trying to pitch the show for 10 years we did i did a pilot five years ago so i did sell it before that that was because i had shot something i had interviews i shot fully on my own um at the same time i was trying to explain this unique conceit of this show in terms of shooting his script and his scenes with him in it. Um, explaining is really hard. It's so hard to convey tone in a pitch. Uh, so anything you can go in with visually, be it like a little clip of something that conveys the tone of what you're trying to do, a minute of, you know, a, a, a sample, shoot a short, shoot a little thing, uh, record an actor reading something that you can play, anything that you can you know, visually see or hear anything. To me, I find so helpful in a pitch. Um, I would keep, you know, keep it tight and, and don't be boring and get them excited and ask questions. And 
you want to be doing kind of a mini version of what the experience will be of actually watching this. Now, this experience of this show, I want I wanted people to kind of go in blind, not know what the tone was, see that some of it is funny, but also some of it is as heavy as anything that's been in a documentary. Um, as far as I know, I mean, not anything, uh, you know, it's not active killing, but it is like real people's lives and it is, some of it's really heavy. And, but the pitch of this, because I came from comedy and people, and I was pitching to comedy executives mostly. I, for Peacock, I pitched to the comedy team because they knew me and knew my work. Uh, and they liked it. And we did another one where they brought in the true crime team who was more familiar with the show that felt more like this. And then they got excited about their end of it. Um, but the pitch of this was very much more comedy than the show is. The show is a lot of things, but it helps in a pitch if you've got real laughs. Um, and uh, another thing, like if you have actors that are already attached, if you, yeah, if you show them, if, if it's about a funny character, either have them on the Zoom or, or with you or show a clip of them doing the character. Anything that could help people not have to do the legwork. You know, in a pitch, usually, uh, this is all very kind of nitty gritty pragmatic advice, but to be strategic, you're pitching to people who usually are going to have to sell it to their boss if it's going to move forward. Uh, you very rarely, unless you're at a very high level, do you pitch straight to decision makers. So what you really want to be doing is giving executives the tools. You want to get them excited and then empower them with the tools to go tell their bosses, hey, you got to do this project. Um, and so it's really just figure out how to do that. If it's a clip, if it's like a clip that you show and then you send them and they can show and then, oh, this is a really funny, weird thing. You know, here's a clip or PDF or whatever. It's just like support materials, I think are very good. Brevity is good. And um, yeah, just conveying things in a way that can clearly be reconveyed up the chain, I think is, is always helpful. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on the screenwriting here. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new course called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com slash television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com slash television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.